0: There were echoes of the Watergate hearings more than 40 years ago yesterday as for nearly three hours former FBI Director James Comey testified in the most anticipated highest profile congressional testimony in decades. Giving details of his interaction with Pre- President Donald Trump who fired him answering question after question from senators. He called the president a liar on several occasions and afterwards the president's lawyer called Comey a liar. The testimony drew sharp reactions, partisan for the most part. Here's Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer.
1: After hearing Mr. Comey's testimony today, America is stunned. The cloud hanging over this administration has just gotten a whole lot darker.
0: And House Speaker Paul Ryan.
1: The president's new at this. He's new to government. And so he probably wasn't steeped in the long-running protocols
0: Trump did not tweet until this morning when he declared victory, despite so many quote, despite so many false statements and lies, total and complete vindication. One thing everyone does agree on is that this is far from over. Here to discuss Comey's testimony and the legal fallout are former federal prosecutor Jeffrey Kramer, managing director of the Berkeley Research Group, and Stephen Ryan, a partner at McDermott, Will and & Emery, and former general counsel to the U.S. Senate Committee on Governmental Affairs. So much has been said about Comey's testimony. So let me ask you both to give your reaction to his testimony and its import. Jeff, let's start with you.
2: Uh, sure. I certainly agree it was, it, was, it was monumental. We did have somewhat of a preview given the fact that uh, Mr. Comey released a statement beforehand. Uh, but as we knew, the, the question and answer period is, uh, was uh, was more revealing. Um, as he indicated, he told a friend basically to let a reporter know about this, which is how we, we learned about it. But I think uh, Jim Comey struck a, struck a perfect chord between just giving the facts and giving us really an inside view into that conversation, which is unique unto itself, uh, but then also opining uh, a little bit on whether or not the president overstepped his bounds.
0: Stephen?
1: Well, you know, I think we're off on a multi-month and maybe year uh, investigation. And the only vote about the investigation that really counts is Bob Mueller's, uh, the special counsel. And so when we look at Comey six months from now or a year from now, this was the John Dean testimony of this period. Um, But what the end result of that is, is not not yet clear.
0: Much of the talk for weeks has been whether or not Trump committed obstruction of justice. Comey said that he wouldn't make that conclusion himself, but his testimony laid out a case for obstruction of justice, and legal experts that I've been reading are divided. Jeff, what's your take on obstruction of justice?
2: I think reasonable minds can can certainly differ on this, but your point's well taken, is that while Jim Comey didn't give the final answer, yes or no, in his opinion, he did kind of lay out a couple of the elements, and and, and knowingly so. Um, And can the president even be charged? Can the sitting president even be charged with obstruction? You know, just quickly, you look at and, and any federal prosecutor has been doing this for a while. Has done some obstruction cases. You look at someone's words and actions, and the president has given us his words, some through Jim Comey, but also his tweet as to why he fired him. And then you look at his actions. He fired an individual uh, who was uh, arguably in, invest, making an investigation he didn't want. I think it's a it's a it's a tough call. At, at the end of the day, as was indicated, you know Bob Mueller uh, will lay things out, and there's certainly smoke here. Is there enough? to charge. And even if we can, probably not. Uh, But it's unfortunate we're even this close to the line.
0: Steve, there's the obstruction of justice. There's also a possible case for abuse of power. What's your take on it?
1: Well, look, I think the president's choice to have these conversations with Comey was ill-advised. And I think uh, no one could argue that in in retrospect, uh, once you have conversations of that type and fire the person, you become vulnerable to these charges. You could have fired him for what you uh, thought of him beforehand. But once the conversations occur, you become a hostage of him. and, And that's what we're seeing play out at this point. I think based on what we heard yesterday, the work that the special counsel will have to do will be to look at what other conversations do the president have and with whom? Uh, what do other people in this investigation know uh, that, that relates to the president? So, for example, does Michael, General Michael Flynn know something, or was there a conversation between the president and Flynn that eventually the special counsel will know about? And so what, what we have is a kaleidoscope where, at the center, you have the Comey testimony about the president, What we don't have is the president's actual version of that, which one would conceive as quite different.
0: I've been talking with former federal prosecutor Jeffrey Kramer, now managing director of the Berkeley Research Group, and Stephen Ryan, a partner at McDermott, Will & Emery, and former general counsel to the U.S. Senate Committee on Governmental Affairs, about fired FBI Director James Comey's testimony. Now, there was some word today that from Trump's private attorney that he plans to file a leak complaint against Comey, according to a person close to the president's legal team. He said that um, he would file that with the General, with the uh, Justice Department Inspector General and the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, Stephen, tell me a little bit about whether it's a crime to leak something private the way Comey did.
1: Well, it would be a crime if it was grand jury information. It would be a crime if it was classified information and he didn't have the authority to declassify it. The documents that, or the information that he's released don't appear to be in those categories, but it certainly, I think, is uh, an appropriate tactic for the president's lawyer to raise uh, the appropriateness of that action. When the Justice Department looks at it, it's, it's not going to violate, I believe, the Justice Department's uh, laws, but it certainly is inconsistent with procedures for those of us who served at the Justice Department, as I did and my colleague on the
0: call. Uh, Jeff, at this point, Comey is a private citizen, So he's still subject to Justice Department rules. And what kind of, you know, what does the inspector general do? Issue a report? I mean, are there any possibility of charges? Uh,
2: Well, a couple of things. I mean, if he still worked for the Department of Justice and violated rules or regulations and they could take certain uh, employment actions, obviously he doesn't work there anymore. So uh, that's gone. And the inspector general could examine this and see... If a referral is appropriate, I don't think it is uh, for uh, DOJ to investigate criminally. I, I can't imagine that lies. So at the end of it, the inspector general will obviously take this seriously. Uh, will examine it, issue a report, uh, but I think it just uh, it ends right there.
0: Let's also talk a little bit about the president's attorney referred to the conversations that. Comey had with President Trump as privileged. Is there any sense, Steve, in which these were privileged?
1: Well, it, the attorney client privilege didn't exist because the president wasn't using Comey as the government lawyer to advise him. So there's no attorney client privilege. The other privilege that a president has is the executive privilege, but that wasn't invoked in this case. Had it been invoked, it might be a different situation because the direction would have been that Comey shouldn't testify. The White House chose to do the opposite. So there's the sense of privilege is that when you're in the Oval Office or in the, in the dining room of the White House with the president, the conversation should remain confidential. And I think we all feel that way, who have ever dealt with the president. But in this case, uh, you know, these, these men are going at each other hammer and tongs. And this is what you get when you do that.
0: Jeff, a question that I've been asked repeatedly is because Comey even said in his testimony that the president had the authority to ask the FBI to drop the criminal investigation. So why not just tell him to drop the criminal investigation if he had the authority instead of going in a roundabout way?
2: Yeah, it is. It is a, a fine line here. I mean, he's head of the executive branch, uh, which is DOJ, and ultimately, obviously, J- Jim Comey. Uh, but he does use euphemisms in the sense that he hopes it gets dismissed or hopes it doesn't. It doesn't get pursued. Uh, so the president could have been a little more overt, uh, but politically, that would have been an obvious problem. Um, so he uses words like "I hope uh, this doesn't get pursued." And normally, when someone hopes something, as as uh, some of the questioning. Was yesterday, I think, by the uh, senator from uh, from Idaho, the word "hope" doesn't really get you to obstruction of justice or any criminal act. However, this is the president of the United States uh, telling someone who works for him that he hopes something happened. That has implications. So, while the president could have simply told him, "Don't pursue this," that has political uh, ramifications. Uh, so he was a little little cute with his words.
0: Steve, there has been talk that. President Trump has tapes of these conversations. There's been no word from the White House confirming or denying that. What's the next step we expect on this? Do I mean, do we expect to see that, uh, you know, there's a subpoena coming from Mueller?
1: Well, I, I think the, the traditional way a special counsel would deal with the president would be to uh, ask uh, for a definitive answer from the White House about whether they exist or not. In the Watergate, which clearly uh, the tapes were the central issue ultimately that led to President Nixon's resignation, there was a subpoena both from the then Independent Counsel, which is the equivalent for all purposes with the Special Counsel, and there was a Senate subpoena from the Senate Watergate Committee. And so uh, subpoenas can be issued to the White House, And courts hate that issue, because it puts the court between the other two branches of government. It's a very uncomfortable place. Um, So this is an issue that has to play out over time, and the answer is either there are tapes or there are not. And if there are tapes, um, Mueller's going to eventually listen to them.
0: In about 30 seconds, Jeff, how long could Mueller's investigation take? Ballpark.
2: Uh, well, you know, there's there's no time frame on it. It's not going to take a month, but by the same token, I don't think uh, we're still going to be uh, wondering about it in a year. Uh, so somewhere in there. If I were a betting man, I would say, you know, right after uh, the new year, let's call it, you know, February, March, maybe into April. uh, Bob Mueller has a a staff at his disposal. He's basically got unlimited resources. And it's a finite type of investigation. This is not an investigation that goes back 10 years. Uh, So he's going to do it as quickly as possible, uh, knowing that uh, after a certain point, it's too late. I have to
0: stop you there. We could go on forever. That's Thanks to both of you. That's Jeffrey Kramer of the Berkeley Research Group and Stephen Ryan of McDermott, Will & Emory. Coming up, the Dodd-Frank Act and its future. This is Bloomberg.